Hey, 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 welcome to the Really Charlie Podcast, where I try to bring to you some educational and inspirational speakers, whether they're authors, you know, singers, dancers, entertainers, community activists, whatever it may be. We are really trying, really, like, really, like, really, 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 really trying to get the message out. I know, really? Yeah, yeah, really, we're really trying to get this message out. So join me on the Really Charlie Podcast once, twice, three times, four times a week, it all depends. If you want your story out there, just reach out to me. And I'll put you on the Really Charlie Podcast. God bless. And stay blessed. Take care. Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome to the Really Charlie Podcast. Today's guest is a fascinating, fascinating friend of mine. And um, I just, I'm so happy to have him. I've been waiting for this podcast for a few days now. Uh, once the guest, who is Stephen Pemberton, said yes, I was all excited and couldn't wait to have him on here. So without further ado, Stephen Pemberton. Hey Charlie, how are you? How you doing, man? Nice I'm to doing see good, you. Man. I'm, I'm, I'm doing better than that now. I'm spending a little bit of time with you. That's good. That's good, man. I uh, always always a pleasure since the first day I met you um, in in the halls of New Bedford High School. Yeah. And uh, you know the the first impressions meant a lot. And the first thing I knew about you is that you were a dude always smiling, always laughing. Um, I can't even remember your your friends' names, all the guys that you were with, but it was that same two or three people that you were with, you know, hanging out. Um, and uh, but um, proud of you. That's the first thing. I'm proud of you, man. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. I, I really do. I, I appreciate that, and I'm proud of you. Thank you. Uh, Thank I, you very I, much. I followed you, uh, you know, from a distance over the years, and so I, I know uh, that. Uh, you, uh, you know, you've been uh, you've been on the move as always. Uh, that's the class, right? Yes, Jack. <laughs> hey, man. It's Jack, my man, Jack, big Jack, yeah. the yeah. gentle giant, man. Oh yeah, he's still one of the best best linemen I ever met, man. He <laughs> just, I love him, man. Yeah. Love being his, love being his teammate, and uh. And a better friend. I love being his friend, man. Oh, so. yeah, yeah. In fact, I was telling my, my son, my younger son, uh, we're in Illinois, uh, and uh, my younger son is, uh, he's one of the top running backs in Illinois, um, and one of the top players. And I said, well, you know, there's a couple of guys uh, I went to high school with who you would have, you know, you would have loved to run behind that <laughs> <us>. <laughs> Oh, yeah, <laughs> so Definitely. For sure, yeah. 
Yeah, he's he's doing good things. I see your post. Um, definitely uh, very, very happy for you. And I'm um, very impressed with the family that you made. And uh, shout out, I mean, salutes to you and your wife. You guys, uh, you know, appearances seem real good to me. And um, I, I the, the book, your book. I, I didn't realize that you, you know, I knew this uh, a chance in the world. I knew of that one always since sure. it first came out. Yeah. I, I, I've noticed that you have a children's version, but yeah. I don't know. I don't know how I missed the lighthouse effect. Did, is you that haven't. something? Yeah, you, oh. you have not. Actually, it will be out in the fall. Okay. I noticed that uh, today. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, so. Uh, I mean, we'll talk about a chance in the world or whatever else, you know, is on your mind. But, you know, the, the lighthouse effect, I, I really wanted to write about these people who I met along my own life journey who were like lighthouses to me. Some mm -hmm. I met as a young boy, others um, later on in life. But there was something about their story that I found instructive, illuminating and something that we could all use in, in this day and age. You know, I think we're, we're too quick to call people stationed, quote unquote, above us uh, as heroes, when in fact, you know, the real heroes are the people, the every, you know, us everyday people. You know, we get up, uh, we take care of our families, we contribute to our community, uh, you know, we deliver mail and uh, drive your kids to school, uh, check you in at the doctor's office, uh, you know, and I think a lot of that, Charlie, it came from growing up in New Bedford. Mm -hmm. And I was explaining to somebody that I did not grow up in a place where people wore, you know, suit and ties to go to work. That wasn't, you know, that was not what I was around. So, uh, so the, the work ethic, uh, the integrity, you know, that's what I was around. And so as life moved on, I still gravitate to those people you know because I, I realized that's where the where where the real wisdom is it's so true the uh and we look we look at people that are as you said above us and and everything that you mentioned they have no clue about doing those things whether it's working for a living or just speaking with people you know they kind of brush off things or or delegate things for uh, someone else to do, an assistant, a relative, or somebody to to kind of, all right, go talk to Steve, go talk to Steve. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, have them do that, you know. No, you talk to Steve, you know, have a conversation, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, the, the, the down, the grown, you know, the home folks, I truly, truly love. And some of the most inspirational people in my life have come from, from my hometown and yeah. I, uh, yeah. and, and, and there's, there's, there's other people, you know, as you go to college and, and, and travel around the country, you meet other people and build some bonds, uh, some relationships and stuff like that. And then they become mentors, but the true blue mentors of my life, um, have come right from this city, this small little city yeah. that we have here. Yeah, I mean, I, I've traveled a lot of places uh, all over the world. I still have never encountered another place that has ever said to me, you know, that reminds me of New Bedford. 
Isn't it? <laughs> up New Bedford. You know, there's and it's not, it's a combination of the history, uh, being the center of a of the abolitionist movement and the Underground Railroad, all running to the NAACP, Niagara movement was founded there. Uh, you know, it has this history that you would liken to a big city. Yes. Um, and uh, and it's not obviously. Uh, and where it sits on the water, I mean, it's real. It's a real gem. And, and I think that um, beyond a shadow of a doubt, uh, as, you know, life moved on, I, I would still say our classmates, man, uh, they're still amongst the best people I have ever met in my life. So true. I mean, you know, just uh, and I still remember. The, and so a lot of our classmates, they've gone on to be cops. Um, uh, like Mike Jesus, um, uh, firefighters, uh, you know, just kind of um, people you look back on, you go, man, those those are just some of the most special people that I that I ever encountered. So I I still remember them, you know. I still remember uh, whether that was JD McKenna who we lost uh, recently. Yeah, may he uh, rest in peace. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but those were the guys that I was around. Uh, in fact, Mike Jesus and I, when we were seniors, we we uh, our, our class mascot was um, the animal from Sesame Street. And mm-hmm. Mike had made T-shirts, and we were selling them. And uh, you know, I mean, and I remember the principal getting really upset with us. You know, why would you guys choose an animal? Mm-hmm. Uh, Called the animal for your mascot. We didn't mean anything by it, you know. But um, uh-huh. yeah, so. Um, yeah, so just just special, uh, you know, special special times, man. Some, some really really good people. I remember McKenna uh, dressing up in a toga. Um, yeah, 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 dressing around and 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 very proud of it, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, but but you know, JD was, you know, JD had a security about himself, you know, and I I lived a block away from JD. So I, I grew up, I knew him, you know, like uh-huh. long we got to high school. So I knew him already, knew what a great baseball player he was, you know, for, for example. Um, you know, and so all, as the years move on, you still, you know, you still remember. I, I, I've told my three children, I've said more than one occasion, like if you, if you wind up having the kind of high school experience that I did, and knowing the kind of people and meeting kind of people that I did, you do half of that, then you're going to love your high school years. Exactly. Uh, and that's what they've enjoyed. Now, my oldest son, he's uh, he's at Boston College now. Uh, wow. But he had a great experience at his high school. His younger brother was having a great experience at his high school. Our daughter, Kennedy, is having a great experience in high school. But my, I, my foundation of it was certainly what I enjoyed at New Bedford High. I mean, certainly the teachers – uh, you know, were, were just incredibly special, you know, to me. And again, you still remember them all. And in that, in that class, I think a lot of those relationships um, have they connected. You know, Peter Amanetti, who uh, played basketball, uh, called me uh, about maybe a year and a half ago, wanted my opinion on, on something he was working on. And he, he and I were still commiserating. You know, Jack, Jack Gia, actually, he and I, and Tony Gomes, and uh, Mike Jesus, we're gonna, the statute of limitations is up on this. So we, we won't get in trouble. But the four of us, well, I see you here. 
and uh, and I got caught. I got caught because one of my teachers, <laughs> she 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 dined me out, Charlie. She she dined mm-hmm. me out, and so <laughs> yeah, special time. The uh, uh, someone asked, uh, "What's the best way to purchase these books?" And um, you know, you want me to answer that, or you want to answer it? I'll answer it. Uh, Amazon is the easiest way. Um, you know, the, um, the, um, the, the lighthouse effect and, uh, a chance in the world, the young reader version, both of them are available on Amazon, but the lighthouse effect's not out until the fall. Uh, but a chance in the world, the young reader version is going to be out in, uh, in, uh, about three weeks or so. But if you order it now and it'll, you know, it'll show up in the mail or, you know, uh, e-reader. And it's really, I mean, much of that is located in, in New Bedford. I get to share some stories that I did not um, in in the trade version. That is, um, you know, on on uh, on the background here. Okay, the um, the title "Lighthouse Effect" does that come from New Bedford or Westport? Because I know you were fascinated with the water in both locations. Oh yeah, and yeah. able to see the lighthouses from both both um, you know beaches or. Uh, so or lands in as I call. And um where did that come from? You know, certainly it, it came from seeing lighthouses as a as a young boy. Uh, okay. What they symbolize to me. Because if light you know, lighthouses are, are probably the most selfless structure that humankind has ever created because it, it serves no purpose other than to be of service to others. Yes. You can't pay a lighthouse. Uh, it doesn't ask for any rewards, and it doesn't look for recognition. Uh, it doesn't um, gloat. It doesn't do anything other than try to fulfill its mission, which is singular in nature. Mm-hmm. It's always to try to protect the journey of the traveler. Exactly. There are roughly 22,900 lighthouses across the world, uh, and there's this magnificent history to them as well. As a structure, you know, in a brutally unforgiving world that is the sea, and it is a flat world. But the lighthouse is the only vertical structure that you'll find uh, in that horizontal world. Mm-hmm. And it is incredibly resilient, too. Wherever you see a lighthouse, there's danger. Lighthouses don't exist in places where it's comfortable. Because the True. sea is not comfortable. We know that growing up in New Bedford. Yes. Um, but the lighthouse stands there, right, despite it all. And my point was that you know, though we don't technically need lighthouses anymore, the structures themselves, we don't need them. Uh, but they still call to us in a way because the best attributes of the lighthouse are also the best attributes of humankind. To be selfless, to be noble, to be dignified. Uh, to protect one another, to not judge one another. Because when a lighthouse encounters you in the middle of a storm, it doesn't ask you what race you are, how you feel about the social issue, who you voted for. Lighthouse does not care about any of that. Mm -hmm. It says, I see the difficulty that you're in, and it simply says, come this way, because this way is the way to safety. And these 10 people I'm writing about, they reflect those things too. Um, whether it was uh, John Sykes, uh, former New Bedford High teacher who took me in, as you know, just three days mm-hmm. after Christmas when I had nowhere to go. 
um, to a kind neighbor um, who brought me books. I, I'm writing about her. I'm writing about a uh, Vietnam uh, aero uh, veteran whose helicopter went down behind enemy lines and found his way to safety. Uh, I'm writing about a woman I met on a train. Uh, right at the time I was writing about my parents, she had just had a reunion with her father, who wow. she had never met. I just bumped into her, a mutual friend and introduced us, and she told me about her husband and kids, and I told her about my wife and kids, and and uh, my friend just happened to say, hey, you know, Steve's writing a book. She's like, well, what's it about? <laughs> right? And so these everyday conversations that are all around you, and if you pay attention, people all uh, have something to offer us, right, that you can in any given moment, in any given day, you can both need a lighthouse and you can be a lighthouse to anyone. Exactly. You don't exactly. need degrees. You don't need extra certification. don't need to have a lot of money or a big title or have a big social media following. Uh, you just have to care about protecting someone's journey. I love it. Um, I love it. That's perfect. It's almost, uh, you know, the, my uh admiration or uh, as i as i do my writing it's always near the beach or it's thinking yeah. about the beach yeah. and um and uh butler's flats is definitely one of those locations where i sit on the wall and i might write a few things um uh lighthouses are definitely something that i um really really love and um i'm gonna steal i'm gonna steal your quote um, because that's the best way of looking at it. Uh, you know, thinking about everything that you just said, um, it's, it's almost perfect. Perfect. Uh, for me, I got a, I got a comedy from Nathan Victor. Um, and he said, not too many people know Steve is responsible for my very successful, uh, live television, television career. Excuse me. Without him, it would not be possible, have been possible. I did not listen to him. Let me put this on the screen. I'm going to look over here. So I did not listen to him as a kid, but I learned the hard way uh, to not only respect him, but he later became a quality friend as well. Mm. And Nathan is uh, as a go-getter. Like, that dude is committed to, you know, he, he definitely his story is very impressive. I had him on the podcast um, a couple of weeks back and, um, yeah. and I definitely enjoyed his podcast. I have listened to it about three times already only yeah. because he's, he's inspirational. He is like, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, he absolutely is. And I, I, you know, he, he said that, um, that he didn't um, uh, listen to me. I don't know about, um, I don't know about that. I mean, um, you know, people don't always um, uh, hear you, but it doesn't mean that they're not listening. And the sure. distinction between the two is that I, I hear what you're saying, but I don't really listen until later on in life, right? Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you know, Nathan's a good example of what I'm talking about, right? Because seeing what he endured medically. Now, I, I appreciate his sentiments about me, and I'm looking at him, Charlie, like... And what planet does a man like that come from? True. You know, like you are from, clearly from some higher evolved species uh, on another planet. You just come here on Earth, 
you know, to kind of hang with us for a little bit. Yeah. Kind of show, maybe show us how it's done, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's but Nate is a really good example of of, of what I mean. Because if you pass um, him in the street, um, you wouldn't know that there's this whole other dimension of his life that is not only inspiring to you, mm-hmm. but is instructive to you. You can yes. learn something from him. And uh, though, you know, there aren't, you know, streets named after him or, you know, he's not famous. That's kind of secondary point because we're seeing where, you know, fame and ego and all that gets you. Right. We see what that has done to the country, especially the last few years. And uh, and that was, you know, certainly one of the biggest takeaways I I had when I was running for Senate uh, was 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 exactly that. Like I just remember being in a lot of campaign stops and rallies and meeting people and thinking, yeah, this is wrong, right? This is wrong. These are the people actually uh, who need to be listened to a lot more than they are yeah. as opposed to some of these other, you know, other things that I, I think we, we see unfolding. So true. I mean, when you would get, when you announced that you were running, I was like, yes, no hesitation whatsoever. Said, I'm going to do whatever I can for him. And and then and then you know it it went in the direction that it went to, and then you made another decision um, to uh, to not continue. And um, but I just want to let you know that I was ready, and a whole lot of other people are ready. Um, yeah. And and even 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 with your decision, you know the final decision came down. We were still ready for you. We we're still saying, hey, all right, you know we can respect yeah. that. We, we all we got, you know, as 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 much as I thought and knew that you could be a leader that we can stand behind. I'm also going to follow you when you decide to step back and do something else. So mm-hmm. just to let you know that um, I was ready for you. I definitely yeah, was I, ready I, for you. I appreciate that. And then some I mean, I thought, uh, you know, and in all honesty, <laughs> that was one of the things I learned you know, from, from the race that uh, it would have been a formidable candidacy. But um, in, in all honesty, you know, when, when Joe Kennedy decided to violate the rules of convention and jump mm-hmm. in, the race, it made it very, very difficult for me. Um, and so, uh, you know, but that race, in all honesty, uh, unfolded the way it should have with Ed Markey, who I'm happy to support. Um but you learned, uh, you know, Charlie, how coming from a community like New Bedford and growing up the way that I did, you do have a different perspective of the world. You absolutely do. Yes. Uh, because you don't, you don't walk through the world with privilege and entitlement around you. It's more of a grit and a grind. And so a lot of the relentlessness that I have comes from, comes from New Bedford. Yes, it comes from. I get asked that all the time, and 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 to me, it's like, well, if you ever go visit where I'm from, you'd go, oh, okay, I get it now. You know, I kind mm-hmm. of make it up. I mean, bring you to, you know, the fishing docks, and bring you to Monty's Park, and you know, mm-hmm. uh, bring you to Buttonwood Park, right? Um, uh, and you go, oh, okay, so this is where, you know, this is yeah. where it comes from. And so, a lot of us who grew up like that, we applied in different directions, right? But it's mm-hmm. the same kind of thread. Uh, it's the same kind of thread that it goes through goes through all of us. So, uh, and in fact, you know, growing up in that in that foster home the way that I did, um, 
it was the it was really the community it was the village that is New Bedford that actually wound up really protecting me uh, from all of that because people uh, who were there whether it was whether it was John Sykes who I talked about earlier or Claire Levin uh, uh, the neighbor I remember Mr. Mead the mailman who would kind of you know wink at me when he was delivering mail uh, you know through through the neighborhood. Uh, uh, I wound up going to Boston College because Larry Finnerty, my guidance counselor, uh, when I was in the seventh grade, handed me a brochure and said, you're going to go to college. I was like, man, like, what's college? I didn't even know what it was. <laughs> right? But he put, that, he put that lighthouse in front of me, and I started navigating it, right? I just started navigating it. And, and probably the biggest person – uh, you know, in, in my early years uh, uh, had such an effect on me was Ruby Dotton. Yes. Ruby, um, you know, she pointed her light right at me and there was no escaping her, by the way. You yeah. know, Ruby pointed her light at you and said, I see not the circumstances of your life, but its possibilities. You couldn't escape it, even if you didn't see it yourself. True. And so I, I think... Uh, you know, probably still trying to live up to that light that she put on me. Uh, and, in, and in the young reader version, I write, I write about meeting her for the first time. Something mm-hmm. really special she did when I was in elementary school that I never, ever forgot. I never forgot it. And I, I, I wound up, uh, you know, being able to, 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 uh, to write about it. Yeah. I'm going to I can't wait to get that that book, put it on my shelf. You know, a lot of my reading comes from, you know, uh, uh, my Kindle or, um, but I always, always get a hard copy. I always get a paperback or hardcover to put in my house, to put on the shelf. It's to me, that's very important. Um, and especially just for my family, you know, my grandkids, everyone to see that there are books in the house that, um, you know, they can. Yeah. Because reading is very, very, very important. Um, and power, you know? Yes. I, I try to tell young children uh, all the time um, that, uh, you know, reading will allow you to be comfortable in any room. You know, that you you feel like you belong. And I've been everywhere, right? From, uh, from you know, the halls of Hollywood to... Uh, to the White House, worked with you know, different administrations, never felt out of place, never yes. felt like I didn't belong there. But it was because I, because of how uh, much reading gave me. Uh, and those, you know, I think who um, uh, were, uh, you know, instilling that in me uh, left, left quite an impression on me. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I was too young to really articulate how important those people were. True. Uh, you get a little bit older now, and 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 so reading is a try to all young people. That is why I wrote the young reader version of the book, Charlie. Had I read a story like mine when I was in the fourth, fifth grade, or even seventh or eighth grade, I would have not felt so alone, mm-hmm. uh, and I would have said, "Okay, uh, I'm in a storm here. That's not of my doing, but I can get out of this. Actually, it doesn't have to always be this way." And so I, I think I came to that, um, you know, probably by accident. I think we can be more purposeful about it. And I think that's generally true of, of education. 
Um, the, I mean, Mr. Sykes was definitely something, uh, uh, a, a man that, um, that I was very fascinated seeing your book and I knew who he was mm-hmm. and, and, and you paint a, a great picture of him. Um, and the story, um, gives a, a very lucid, uh, um, picture of that man and I said wow nobody can ex- nobody could explain it any better or bring it out any better than someone that's close to him and your book really shows how close you are or was to him and how he was to you um yeah I mean he uh you know uh in fact he's the first chapter in the lighthouse effect I write about his story and um uh, you know, I lost him in January. Yes. Lost Ruby in November and him in January. So you know, it's been a hard few months, to be honest, because it's a different world without them in it. Um, you know, I always felt that um, I, I've always appreciated the public's embrace of, of, of a chance in the world. Like that, that's been special uh, to me to watch that. Um but I always saw it as more of a tribute, actually, you know, to the people who touched me. I was trying to write mm-hmm. about them that way. I was trying to write about Ruby that way and Claire Levin that way and John that way. Uh, but this time around, I get to say it more directly, you know. And, and, and you know, what, what, uh, what I shared about John's life so that we can all know that there really are no accidents uh, so John graduated from New Bedford High School, went to Bridgewater, got a teaching degree, was teaching. Um, and, you know, by his mid-20s, he was, hey, you know, I'm, I'm teaching. And um, uh, but then I think he, he started settling into a routine and he was wondering, like, am I having any impact? So he quit teaching and said, I'm uh-huh. going to go on an adventure. And so he goes out to California to become a ski instructor. And he's doing that for a little while. And he was, when I was interviewing him for the book, he described to me, uh, he said, you know, he goes, it was early in the morning. And he says, I'm on top of this really cold mountain and I'm making snow. <laughs> I'm on top of the mountain, but I can look down into a valley. When I look down into the valley, he said, I see this school bus and I'm kind of watching it go through the neighborhood and pick up kids. And he said, uh, he goes, I'm thinking to myself, you know, um, I'm not supposed to be up here making snow. I'm supposed to be down there impacting lives. Exactly. So he comes back to New Bedford um, and uh, decides to become a a teacher and a counselor in the Upper Bound program that I would join a year later. Mm -hmm. And um, lest any of us doubt the, the impact of small things that we say and do, the effect that they have, when I was seated across from my social worker three days after Christmas, and I literally had nowhere to go. I mean, I've been there all day. Yep. Uh, and I'm watching my social worker, Mike Sylvia, uh, another eminently good man. And he was in that office calling families, you know, trying to get them to take me in. And, uh, at one point, and just out of pure desperation, he, he says, well, hey, do you know anybody? The only reason I thought of John was because of something I overheard him say. 
about me that he didn't know mm -hmm. that I heard. And lo and behold, as faith would have it, he was in his office. Uh, he was in the upper bound office um, and took my call. Wow. Uh, telling the story of, of, of his life um, has been very special, you know, to, to me. My only regret, Charlie, is I sure do wish, you know, that he was here to see the world embrace him again. Because I really think the world will when they read his story in The Lighthouse Effect. Yeah, I, I can't wait um, to see that. Um, Miss Mrs. Levin, definitely someone else that uh, mm -hmm. I glued in in, a, in the book, and, and and I actually just said I can I could see that I could picture that. Yeah. Um, and then especially being in that that same area. Yes. Um, and and hanging out there and seeing it. So now I'm a. Again, a, a great visual of how that all happened, and um, yeah. and as I'm reading the book, and um, today I was actually, I said, you know what, I'm going to go back over there. I haven't been over there in a while. I've been around the area, right. but never back to that intersection. So I went back over there, yeah, and I, and I, I got another visual, and so now as things go on and move along, and and uh. A chance in the world and now i'm actually all right all right that's what he's talking about in this chapter that chapter right, right. right. now i see and it, it was yeah. it was like i i i actually wish that i had read the book right there at the intersection the whole entire book you know yeah and, um well you know people actually this will blow you away man people come to new bedford and they take tours of the area that I wrote, all the areas <laughs> that I wrote about. Wow. Go to City Hall. Uh, you know, they they and they and they take pictures, they send these these things on social media. And so uh they take pictures of the Wellman's Memorial in front of the Bedford Public Library. They see the proximity between City Hall and Bedford Public Library. They go visit the neighborhood because Arnold's uh, uh, street is you know there and you can kind of see where I think there's still a convenience store there. You can uh -huh. see the wall, yeah. wall where I, um, you know, and uh, so that to me, man, has, has been a real thrill to see people do that. Uh, but it also, you know, I remember when I was writing it and I just had a rule about how I was writing. And I remember saying, you know, um, do not, and this is generally true when you're writing, Charlie, as you well know, um, don't write anything that you cannot prove and don't write anything that you cannot defend. True. Uh, and True. Uh, so that for me was like my always, now as it turned out, I was really writing a chance in the world for my children mm -hmm. uh, because my oldest son was asking me, where's, where's, I see mom's mom and mom's dad, but I don't see yours and you've never mm -hmm. talked about it. That's yes. how I wrote the book. And what I thought it was going to be was like this family history that would kind of sit on the wall. So my relentless pursuit of the truth was for them. I didn't matter what the world thought about it. Didn't you know? It was more, hey, they're going to read this, and they, yes. they know, hey, this is what what dad, you know, uh, uh, came from. But the fact that it has impacted so many other people's lives that people have adopted children because of uh, the book, they. Uh, they've become foster parents. Um, they become uh, court-appointed special advocates. They've reconciled with their family members. They found family members. I mean, I wasn't trying to do any of that. 
to me yeah. when it arrived in the mail, I said, great, I'm glad I did that. And I was moving on with my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, sure enough, just wave after wave, you know, and it happens every, I'm not exaggerating, every day, whether it's because of the book or the movie, I hear from somebody in some part of the world. And Charlie, yeah. they all say the same kind of thing, which is this. I don't have the exact same story as you, mm-hmm. but I have a similar chapter. Ex- and that's so true for all of us, right? Yes. We all have similar chapters, regardless of your race, your gender, your generation, your life experience. You spend enough time and sit down with somebody and, and, and break bread with them. You learn that. You learn that we all have similar chapters. There are differences, of course, there are. The problem in America today is that we think that those differences are the story. That's Mm -hmm. not the story. It's the commonality that's the story. So true. So true. The, uh, um, I got inspired, um, today, um, and I sent you something that I wrote. And I don't know if you've seen it yet, but, uh, it, it was a little poem that I wrote, um, and it's titled just like your book is. And I just wrote from what I read and what I, I felt as I was going through it. And I, I just said, I got to write something right now. I can't, I can't just put this on hold. And so I end up writing what I did. And, um, so I just want to let you know that even though you, you, you know, you're inspiring people to do things, you know, whether it's adding to their family or doing a career move and counseling and, and social work and stuff, you inspired me to write something today. And I, I really appreciate that. I'm honored by that, man. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm so glad that that's been the case for so many others too. That, that's, isn't that the point of it all? You know, you yeah. don't, I don't think we, you don't write and authors certainly don't write for money. You know, anybody who thinks that, you know, yeah. my name's on a book, you make a lot of money. They need yeah. to unpack the details of what, who really makes the money in the writing world. And it's the publisher, by the way. You get to J.K. Rowling's level. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's different, right? Uh-huh. Uh, no, authors don't make money on books. Uh, no. Believe me, those economics don't work. You have another reason for it. And, yeah. and uh, that, that reason's got to be that you're trying to impact the world. Had I known... You know, had I known how important my story was going to be and my journey was going to be, I would have written it a lot sooner, actually. And, and in all candor, I probably wouldn't have written it at all had it mm-hmm. not been for the conversation with our son, Quinn. I mean, he was really, you know, the, the, uh, the, the catalyst. Um, I, see, I see a couple of questions that are coming through. And um, yeah. um, uh, so... Uh, uh, I lived on the first floor in the house um, on Arnold Street, and I was there mm-hmm. for, for 11 years is, uh, is my length of time there. Um, and um, it was a long 11 years, man. I can tell you that much. It was hard. Yeah. You know? oh, sorry, my daughter is just pinging me. So, Daddy, that's Daddy's girl right there. So. <laughs> uh, nice. I, in fact, I just dropped her off from getting her license. Wow. Uh, 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 so she has a license. She's a, she's a driver. Uh, wow. Uh, today, you know. <laughs> um, and, right, so, I, remember, I remember when. Yeah, don't we all? No, you know, I, I, um, 
I'll tell you though that, uh, you know, when I was thinking uh, about uh, everything that I've done, actually my whole career trajectory, um, um, really learned um, and went back to a lot of those lessons from from my time um, in in about working the Upper Bound program. Uh, you know, for a while. Um, that was very special to me. You know, the kids that I encountered who are now all, you know, their, their, uh, their families of their own and well into their professional career, uh, whether it's Tara Santeo or Corey Garcia, mm-hmm. uh, Tyson Rose, Eden Soares, yeah. Matt I mean, all these kids who I, I was kind of like their, you know, I, I, I guess I was their mentor, Nathan Victor, who joined us earlier. Uh, uh, yep. Corey's um, ne- Corey's next. Uh, oh man, you're gonna be in for a thrill with that guy. He's, yeah, uh, he's we. He and I joke uh, because we're part of the uh, Change Your Last Name Club. Uh-huh. So he just asked him about that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Corey's one of my all-time favorite people. He was he was in my he was actually in my wedding uh, when I was uh, married. But that was something Ruby instilled in me. I mean, Ruby made it pretty clear to me. Uh, that I was not here, you know, to uh, to serve myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, that this was, you know, that's not about ego and it's not about, you know, popularity. Your life is to be measured. She was like clear with me about this. Your life is to be measured by what impact you're going to have on other people. That's all she really cared about. Uh, and I think when you see somebody who had the, the respect and regard that she did, uh, I mean, you could see it. You could see. Yeah. You could see and you could understand why. Uh, and she was tough too, especially you know mm-hmm. they try to cut her budget. <laughs> she wasn't having yeah. that. Um, no. And uh, but I, I think about you know the, the the lessons of leadership actually. And if you had people like John Sykes and Ruby Dotton and Claire Levin and my social worker Mike Sylvia um, and another social worker Heather Pope, yeah. um, you know a um, uh, Larry Finity, um, uh, Bob Parker. Right? I'm just thinking about. You know, if you had those kinds of people in the way that they thought and the way they moved through the world, mm-hmm. society would be a kinder place, actually. And, and, and by the way, it's not, you know, because they um, have this, you know, they have there's an element of the world that is idealistic, but they've also been through some struggle. You know, they see the world the way that they do through a lens of optimism. Uh, because of the struggles that they've had, and yet they still give 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 forward. Um, and I'd be remiss too if I just I didn't talk about um, uh, you know certainly what's unfolded after uh, you know the book. I mean, I I met the Pemberton you know family, uh, my father's uh, brothers and sisters um, in the in the early '90s. You know, for the most part, and, you know, strange when you walk into a room, man, and you see people look like you. And you've never met him before. So true. And uh, but I also learned too um, that you know family is not family is not just what you're born into, Charlie. It's also who you find along the way. Exactly. Uh, so uh, uh, you know George Carmo, uh, for example, Russell Almeida, who I met later on in life. They're close friends of my father's, mm-hmm. and they embrace me. Um, you know the way uh, that you would have hoped that um, you'd be embraced, right, by by, by family. So uh, that's what they, they are. So my kids actually, you know, Russell passed away. Uh, but, you know, uh, 
I, I still remember George and Russell coming up to the Boston area to help me move. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, that kind of just good people, man. Good people. Yeah. He, he, he was a good man. Um, I definitely, uh, I actually wanted to interview him for my book with, uh, for Andre McCoy and I didn't get that oh, yeah. opportunity to. And, um, yeah. you know, in fact, I'm trying to revise that book. I, I, see so many editing uh, mistakes in it. I want to kind of do it over and maybe have someone else do it for me. So, well, but, uh, you're never, you're never going to, man, you're always going to want to edit your book. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, that's how poets are, right? Yeah. Poets never, ever think it's perfect. Yeah. Uh, writers are like that. They never, they're never satisfied. You'll always want to tinker. I mean, there, and, and certainly there's things you go back and you look at, you go, ah, yeah. Uh, that detail is off. That details, right? I mean, all writers, all writers do that. Uh, but the spirit of them are, are nevertheless there. And you know, yeah. Russell, Russell was the one who set a lot of this in motion. Um, mm-hmm. Because I remember I was working at Upward Bow, and it, this was literally an argument he and I were having. Yeah. But it was a polite one. It was a respectful one. He's my elder, right? You're always going to respect your elder. Yeah. True. And, uh, and and so I remember asking Ruby, hey, you know, I had heard the story about Kenny Pemberton being my father. Uh, I had done some sleuthing when I was a young boy, saw his picture. To me, he we looked so different um, because his picture was grainy, black and white. And I said, yeah, that's not my father. I was about 10, 11 years old when I figured that out. Well, you fast forward 10, uh, 12 years later, I've graduated from college. I'm working every time program. And I said to Ruby, Hey, I, I'd like to find out who my father is. Ruby did not know her father. Okay. Wow. And so uh, she said to me, well, there's just some things maybe you're not meant to know. And I said, I'm not going to accept that. And she ever yeah. let me and say, yeah, that's why you are the way you are. Right. So true. She knew Russell. And I still remember some of the kids in the upper bound program that I mentioned, I was, uh, so Russell came in to talk to the Upward Bound program during the summer session. Mm-hmm. He and Ruby were very close. And so the kids were in another part. So the, all the kids were there. And three of them um, come find me. Uh, Corey, who you <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Taurus and Tao. And Tyson. They, I, I think I was on a break. And they came find me and said, no, this man knew your father. Uh, and he wants to meet you. And I'm like, um, I, I said, yeah, I was being, you know, I, I said, yeah, I appreciate that. But I got, he said, tugging on my arm. No, <laughs> he said he remembers you and everything. Mm-hmm. And so, so Charlie, I walk in and immediately, you ever walk into a room and somebody knows you, Yeah. but they don't know you. Right. And he's looking at me with this look of familiarity. He was kind of, I'm, I'm trying to figure out like, did this guy seen a ghost or, you know, and I'm not aware that I look like my father and I have a lot of his mannerisms. I don't know that because I never met him and I have no memory. Mm-hmm. And he's looking. I'm, 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 and I try to sneak into the room and kind of hide in the back. I didn't want to interrupt his lecture. And he's looking at me walking across the room. All the kids are looking at me. Yep. And I let him finish. And, they, and when I walk up to him um, and he says, it's a pleasure to meet Kenny's son. And, and I said, um, I, I said, you know, I don't want to disappoint you, uh, but you know, that's that's not true. 
And he goes, <laughs> it also, as only Russell would say, he goes, well, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but you are. And I still was back and forth. And finally, he says, where do you live? I was living in Boston. I would go to Boston during the weekends. And uh, he said, well, give me your address, uh, and I'm going to come see you. And I'm going to bring a picture of him with you, with yeah. me. And mm-hmm. you'll see. And, man, as soon as I saw that picture, like I knew immediately. And so Russell, you know, he he had no idea how important that was uh, to me. And even early on, um, you know, because there were always questions, right? Did Kenny know about me? You know, uh-huh. they like I cared. Like, you know, when you walk through the world without an identity, whether or not my father knew about me was like irrelevant. The fact that I knew who he was. You, and Charlie, you want to know why that's so important? Why is that? Because my children walk through the world with the last name Pemberton now. True. That's what Russell was able to do. And I, and I told him that before, before his passing. And my three children never have to worry what I had to worry about. Where do I come from? Who do I look like? What am I a part of? They know that. And so there are times uh, when I'll see them kind of coming back from practice and I'll see, in fact, my my son, who's a sophomore at Boston College, he plays basketball um, at at, at BC. um, And so he came home and he he, uh, had his jersey with him. And man, I you know I saw Pemberton on the back in the twenty. No <laughs> words, and I'm supposed to have the yeah. words to articulate something like that, right? Yeah. And the last thing I say about that is that nobody ever, ever, ever could have imagined that when I was born. Wow. Nobody could have ever imagined, given the the battle that my mother was having, who had her her demons, but she wasn't a bad person. She yes. just had some bad things happen to her that she wasn't equipped to handle. That's true for a lot of people too, by the way. So true. Harshly, you know? So true. The, um, uh, I mean, I, I, I hate them. I, I don't want to always say this to all my guests, but your book's five stars. And not that it, it, um, it's definitely something that I couldn't put down. I, I was like, I even shushed my wife today. You know, she can attest to it. She's on it somewhere. She's interrupting the book, and I'm like, shh. <laughs> <laughs> I like, shh. So, yeah. um, so it was good. There was a part in your book that, um, I mean, everything there was uh, definitely just, you know, as we're going through the stories, um, I, I had this anticipating anticipation of trying to figure out who was who and then uh, as things were going on i was like all right i know who that is i know who this is um i i known heather all my life you know miss pope mrs pope um and when you went to the to city hall and as soon as you said charlie i said charlie come yeah instantly instantly and i i was the only reason is because his stories um you know, anything he was telling you, he he's told me in my lifetime, you know, a few different stories about whether it's my dad, whether it's my uncle, whether it's my grandmother, so on and so forth. Yeah. yeah. And and without even thinking of, you know, any other name, I I, I said, it's him. Right. And then, you, and then eventually you say it. But I, I want to ask you, do you know if his wife has your book? 
I do not know. But if she, uh, you know, it, I, I actually went to their house, you know, to interview them, uh, to interview Charlie. Yeah. And met his wife. But if if uh, if he wants it, I'll, I'll personally, I, I will personally sign and send one, you know, to her. And 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 Charlie, uh, you know, Charlie was very helpful. Um. Uh, you know, uh, to me, because yeah. these friends, my father's friends, gave me a very different version uh, of, of of his life, and um, and um, and you could tell how much they loved him. Yes, you know that you could tell they loved him, and it was so important to them that they tell me who he really was. True, um, and. Uh, because he was failed by some people he cared about, actually, or he thought cared about him, but his friends did not fail. Him. And that whether whether that was Charlie, whether that was you know uh, George Karma, whether that was Ronnie Duarte, mm-hmm. and so George Carmo gave me letters that my father wrote, and only George and I know what's in the content of those letters, and neither of us mm-hmm. can tell anybody. Yes. Um, but I knew. You know, you could tell. So, you know, what's fascinated me is uh, after the book was written, uh, it's amazing how many people call themselves my father's best friend. Yes. Well, that's not what my father said. You know, so I have his words. His words yeah. be the real truth, right? Um, and uh, But I could tell that the Carmo family to my father was really important to him. Louis Carmo was his was his closest friend. Yes, I remember uh, him. Yeah, they were they were they were close. And so and then when Louis uh, uh, died as tragically, you know, as he did, you know, you can imagine the effect that it had on my father. You know, the other thing I, I would tell you too is when when tragedy strikes a family, because the Pemberton, you know, family endured a lot. Uh, you know, they were they were um there were, you know, 13 of them all together and they weren't wealthy, but they had each other uh, until one day they don't. Uh, yes. When a fire um, displaces them and um, and then, you know, so they're in this turbulent living situation. And then uh, and then my grandmother uh, dies suddenly. And that really just put all of the children in such an unbelievably difficult place. Some went into foster homes, others with family members, others in juvenile homes. It just literally fractured the family. Um, and they hadn't done anything wrong. You know, they hadn't done anything wrong. They lost their matriarch. Yes. Right? That's what happened. They lost their matriarch. And for Kenny, um, you know, what happened to, to him, you can imagine this. You and I were 14, 15 years old at a time. Imagine that you wake up one day, and then at the end of that day, your mother's gone. Right, And then the week after that, you're put in a juvenile home, and not because you've done anything wrong, but because society doesn't know what to do with you. Yes. And so, you know, here you have uh, a young teenage boy who's just brokenhearted. Wouldn't any of us be brokenhearted? But he's got this magnificent ability, you know, with his hands. The Pembertons, 
you know, we're all good athletes in some way, shape, mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, but at the core of all of that, he's still heartbroken, right? He's still heartbroken. And I don't think it was ever resolved. Uh, and so I, I try to live my life um, as if um, this is how his life would have turned out had some things broke a little bit differently for him. And so that's why I'm still, you know, kind of on on that mission. Well, it's uh, it's a, it's it's crazy how um, you know my my family's kind of intertwined with yours um, through the generations. Um, you know, it just it's especially the Pemberton family. You, you already said it; they were huge. They were a large family. Mm -hmm. And everyone knew him. Still is, uh, and, uh, yeah, still is. And um, so, but I wanted uh, this comment says he's very inspiring for all that he's been through, and he's still here to talk about it and help others. I agree. Um, Appreciate that. Yeah. During uh, during your time at uh, at BC, um, whether it's as a student or you know, and later on as you know, part of the staff. Did you ever come across Keithy Francis from New Bedford? Yeah. Uh, give me the name again. Keith Francis. Oh, no, Keith. New Keith. Yeah. Very, very well. Like, like really well. All right. Um, and, uh, you know, he and I would, would joke. Um, and I put Dave Lato kind of in that mix, too. Uh, the, yes. Ball coaches, guys from New Bedford, you know, who kind of – um, a different thing. I mean, Keith, Keith, Keith probably not probably Keith is the greatest track and field athlete that Boston College has ever seen. Um, sure. And uh, and but but Keith also gave so much back to you know that to to obviously New Bedford community and to as as well as you know to to Boston College too. I mean, there's a there's a weekend that's named after him. Um, because of all the contributions that 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 that, that he made, um, we we lost him way 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 too soon, way too soon. Yeah, it was uh, um, during the time that he uh, was very very sick. I was trying to get permission to uh, to write his story mm. and put in and uh, you know, and he was just couldn't receive any calls. He just too sick, too weak. And I never got that permission to write the book. So I'm not going to, you know, although I have this children's book that I'm, I'm, I'm writing, it's already written. I just need someone to illustrate it. Yeah. And uh, it just talks about him, you know, in the Bay village and, and how he's inspirational to me and stuff, yeah. but a, a very, a very small, um, children's story, but I wanted to do his his biography, and um, well, I, so the, 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 I think the however you decide to handle that, um, it, it matters for uh, the future generations of, of of the Francis family. You know that that's why I think it's generally true for all of us. You know, we've all got to find the elders in our family and get their stories down. You don't have to write a book. True. Get their voices down. Let them share their life journeys, their life experiences, because they are so instructive. Uh, in in mine, uh, I'm, I'm writing about my uncle Greg, 
uh, who I, I met later on uh, in, in, in life. And, um, uh, you know, he and I have an incredibly close relationship. In fact, my uh, our first child, his full name is Quinn Gregory Pemberton. Wow. Um, and so he's another one of the people that I'm writing about in the Lighthouse Effect, how he and I met. Uh, stunningly similar stories. Um, and I think it's important to get those stories down uh, because they do get lost uh, if, if, if we don't get them down. You don't need to be an author or a poet or an illustrator, you know, to do that. It's mm-hmm. down with the elders uh, who we know have so much wisdom, so much insight and perspective. And um, you share that with future generations so that when they are the facing uncertainty or, or, or just need to know, you know, kind of a family history, they have those stories that they, you know, that they, that they can always gravitate back to, especially in a world uh, that struggles to em- embrace uh, different cultures. Uh, there are sometimes all of the mayhem that I see unfolding in the world. A number of times, Charlie, I think, you know, there are parts, not all, but there are parts of the society who keep making it abundantly clear that they just don't love black and brown people. They just don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my next thought after that, well, that's okay, because we love us. We yeah. love us. Yeah. Uh, and the effort is a place that is a reminder of that, right, because of the history uh, of, of the community and of the city. And, uh, and whether you're talking about, uh, uh, you know, Keith Francis or Corey Garcia um, or Tara Centeno, um mm-hmm who that community sends out into the world and the impact that they have on the world, if that's a story unto itself. I know you had Lee Charlton uh, prior to me. I mean, you start stacking all these people up, and after a while you go, you know, this place is different. This yes. place produces leaders. And whether that's at, and it starts early, whether it's at my old elementary school, Hathaway School, or over at mm-hmm. Carnegie Academy, like this is who New Bedford produces. This is who shows up in all different fields of human endeavor. It's another part of the story to tell, right? Yes, that's a rich history. And um, I, that's why I, I like I like doing this podcast because you know I'm able to kind of put those those people, those heroes and sheroes, to put them here so mm. people can visually see them and listen to them and highlight them. Um, I'm always talking about giving people their flowers while they're standing. And, and that goes for you too. Um, and, and maybe the praise is a million times over with you. However, it's, it gets a little bit better when it's coming from the home that you lived at, the, you know, that homegrown folks that's kind of just giving you that praise or that, that, ins- that you're inspiring them and thank you. And um, some things that you have said, I've used for my students. I use for my own family. So um, I'm going to continue to try to reach out to people and kind of get their story documented. And it may be digital, but that's good. That's good because this is the day and age. Everything's digital. And I I really, you know, so the... um, uh, I'm glad that you was you did meet Keith. That's my mentor. That was my um, 
you know, that was my Mr. Sykes growing up. You know, that was a dude that kind of sat down on the curbside with me and talked to me, um, trying to get me to, uh, you know, go the right path, go the right way. And um, he was he was actually. He, he, he was my hero before, you know, Dr. J was my hero or anybody oh. like that, you know, it was Keithy. You know, yeah. and 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 quite a few other guys that were in the in the Bay Village, you know. And uh, I can tell you that that um, I, I still remember those guys. Um, you know, I uh, um, you know I, I I it's it's it won't be so quiet after I say it, but uh, I've been supporting um, uh, Robbie Mendes and the uh, Boys and Girls Club. Robbie's yeah. one, one of those guys. I was never part of Boys and Girls Club. Actually, mm -hmm. I used to. I yeah. wasn't allowed to. Wow! Uh, but man, I, I would, I would, I would just be struck. You know, I'd love to go in there. A lot of my friends were, you know, were in uh, the, the boys and girls club. But think about what Robbie does on a daily basis. Think about what's going on in over in Nativity Prep, uh, another, you know, school that I, I support. Um, yeah. I, I, I support um, um, with a small literacy. Uh, drive the hospital where I was born. Uh, so every um, family that uh, uh, leaves the hospital leaves with a copy of Good Night Moon because uh, wow. it brings me back. And so I visited with one of our, our, our classmates who actually gave me a tour of the ward where I was born. And she was born in that same ward. In, in, in that mm -hmm. And um, but I think about what was unfolding the day I was born, uh, my mother. And... Uh, you know, the struggle that she was, that she was in it might seem like a small gesture, but a book, you know, yeah. a book, just a gift that says that, that, that you matter. I see you. Uh, and again, not, not the circumstances, but the possibilities, all of those things do have, do have an impact in there. I, I mean, getting the stories down, Charlie matter, because that's, um, that's what's needed more now than ever. Cause we are, we are losing our way. Relentless polarization, uh, people defining themselves by material things primarily. Um, <laughs> you don't believe that, you know, write a book and see what comes at you. you know? True. Because it comes at you. Sure uh, does. Uh, and it, it's because they're just people who don't want to see you successful. They just don't. But that's always a reflection on them. You know, I never thought mm -hmm. it was about me. I'm like, yeah, that's not really about me. It's about you. Mm -hmm. And the real point is to try to impact as several of the listeners are saying, the point of it all is to impact somebody's life. Like, isn't that what you're really here for ultimately to be a lighthouse to somebody else? Cause somebody was a lighthouse to you. And how do we know that? Well, cause you're here. That's how we know. Yes. Uh, you keep was, was, was that for you, right? Uh, John Sykes and Ruby Don were that for me. Um, and so there's always this opportunity, um, it seems to recognize, like we both talked about the people that we went to high school with. Um, they didn't know, my classmates at the time, living in such a brutally difficult situation. And um, my, what, my, what my classmates didn't know um, uh, uh, is that um, their normalcy was so important to me. Um, you know, it was just, it was amazing to me uh, I could see normalcy. I could see in them, you know, and uh, uh, I, I, I would tell you still best people I've ever met. 
you know, where yeah. growing up there in my in, in, in my classroom was healing in a lot of ways for sure. Yeah. Sure is. Um, a friend here, Nathan Victor, says when I saw you start attending the Nazarene Church, the, thir- mm-hmm. the church that I grew up in. I then decided to let you in. Actually, Reverend Gomes demanded that I show you respect. Corey Garcia actually demanded that I do that as well. And um, yeah, you got to you, you learn. You learn from friends. You learn from you know to stick up people. And um, but guess what? I never seen you in any kind of ill way whatsoever. Um, and your book is. You know, actually show me that you eventually did, did get angry. You did get upset, you know, and uh, and that's in front of the people that you love. And um, oh, yeah. But, uh, but and, yeah, I mean, you know, um, I, I had a temper, Charlie, when I was younger. I was not mm-hmm. on the cross and I could fight, too. So that didn't help matters. You know, my reaction to a lot of things was to strike first. But for any young people listening, you know. Words are far more powerful. They're longer lasting. They have a longer yeah. lasting. Um, and even now you get you get angry, you know. I mean, I uh, but about different kinds of things, right? Things you get mm-hmm. angry now have to do with things that impact other you know, impact others that you care about, others that you love. Uh, so um, and you'll have those moments though, right? But I think if you remember what's your truth, right? What's what's what which your truth, you won't be able to please everybody. And in fact, um, I, I learned that both sides, right? There are one particular Pemberton uh, family member has really gone out of his way uh, to be as critical and as vicious as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, not everybody in the Murphy family agreed with what I wrote. But yes. in both instances, you didn't live it. <laughs> I was there, yeah. I lived it. Mm-hmm. So not really for you to judge. And yeah. not seeking your approval or permission either. So no. whatever it is that makes you think I needed your approval or permission, you have that wrong. We all deal with that though on a daily basis, right? In some way, shape, or form. True. And and I think the focus always is twofold. One, know that there uh, that there's lives that you're trying to impact. That matters more. That's the biggest takeaway, you know, to me uh, of all. And then the other is you knowing what the truth is. Uh, and when you know what the truth is, then, you know, those who try to come along and revise it, or in my case, make money off me, or try mm-hmm. to, you just realize, well, but those are two different objectives, right? Yes. Um, impact people's lives here in a positive way. Others who are in foster care, others who wonder who their parents are, who have the lash on their back. It's just a different set of priorities, a different set of objectives. And knowing, as fortunately as I'm able now to see, it really has, man, um, the book really has changed people, in the movie has really changed people's lives. And yet I always say at the same time, boy, you know, um, you know, Ruby, John, they, 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 I hope they're proud of the work that they did because I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's them. Like I am the reflection of them. Great Greek proverb that says a society grows great when the elders of that society plant trees in whose shade they know they will never sit. This Hmm. that we plant 
people's lives we change that we we don't see how the story turns out uh, but those who are impacted never forget you they tell mm-hmm. their friends about you uh, and there's a uh, there's a certain kind of joy that's that's uh, to be found in doing that so i'm going to sure. stay on that mission for as long as god sees fit for me to do so and i hope it's many 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 more years um and uh you know if if your kids um could be equal to you but we always want them to be better um then you have some other people that are going to inspire thousands thousands of people because yeah. that's what your books are doing and uh one of the you facebook listeners says absolutely 100 percent inspirational as foster parents over the years it, it's great to see the success in the empowerment created through struggles mm-hmm. rewarding to know any efforts to help people is what it's about thank you steve thank you charlie and uh thank you for that comment it's uh it's it's very very nice um a mutual friend of ours says great um great proverb um that's uh david consatio there yeah, hey man. Uh, yeah. So, the uh, parents, I want to point out quickly: you know, foster care in America is a crisis, a humanitarian crisis. Every year, twenty-five to thirty thousand kids age out uh, of the foster care system. Uh, they uh, have done nothing wrong. They've committed no crime. Uh, their only crime, to the degree you want to call it that, is they're they're the inheritor of a set of circumstances that they did not ask for and that they did not create. True. Uh, and yet they have this grit and this determination uh, to be more than what they've come into the world with. And so foster parents are quite literally that, that guide, you know, I, that did not turn out that way for me, unfortunately. But that doesn't mean that there aren't great foster parents and there aren't more that are that are needed it's not just the life in front of you that you're changing it's the generations you know that come you know i i look at my my three children you know they are reflections really of investments that were made in me and it will carry on you know with them as i remind them you know kind of all the time like you know listen this the stakes are a little bit higher if your last name's pemberton mm-hmm. higher um, there's a way you're going to walk through this world uh, with a degree of gratitude and love and respect and appreciation. Um, you know, their mother uh, instills that in them uh, just as much as, uh, you know, as I, as, as, as I do. And we're not going to talk a lot about, about Tanya, who I, I actually met, Charlie, on Martha's Vineyard. I, I read about that. And, um, well, I almost blew that- it, man. I almost blew it. <laughs> Uh, I almost blew it. Charlie, I, didn't, I did not. I had met her once before, and uh, I, didn't, I did not recognize her the second time. And it's my bias, right? She is a strikingly beautiful woman, which was the problem. Uh, because she comes over to me. She says, I know you. And I was, it was a fumble. It was a fumble. Mm-hmm. And I said, you do. But what, what, what I was really thinking was, how does somebody this beautiful know me and I don't know her? That's what yeah. I was 
but it came out wrong. Charlie came out like I was a play. I'm like, oh, like I was on the yeah. wall of Monty's Park. Hey, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> so, and so she did the most magical thing I say to any any young girl listening. Uh, and I remember she looked at me like, oh, you one of them dudes. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she says, uh, she puts her hand lightly on my forearm and she says, I must be mistaken. And she walked away. Yeah. Uh, she got maybe about like 10 feet away. Now I'm clicking. I'm like, man, where I, I got her. Where did I meet her? Where did I meet her? Where did I meet her? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden it hits me. I met her a year ago. We had a five minute conversation. And so when I, I, I walked up to her, I tapped her lightly on the shoulder and I said, I said, I'm sorry. I said, I remember you now. We met last year. Your name is Tanya. Your friends called you T. We met right across the street uh, from uh, Mad Martha's ice cream shop. Uh, you were standing actually to my left. You're from New Jersey. You're a teacher. And the day we met, your hair was pulled back, which is why I didn't recognize you. But you were also wearing yellow shorts and a blue uh, parka. When you walked away, you walked to my right. Mm-hmm. You remembered all of that in five minutes. Yeah. I, I, myself, I was like, well, thank God I did. That's so, it. She- yeah, so I recovered it. But then her friends, because she was there with all her girlfriends, so Charlie, they, they, they did not like the fact that every time they were somewhere, I was somewhere. Because I knew she was the one. So I'm like, yeah. I was thinking to myself, no, I can't let her get away. I can't let her get away. And at one point, um, her friend said to her, so, you know, you spend all your time talking to this guy and you don't even know his last name. And uh, as only, you know, it's probably somebody from New Bethel would do. Yeah. I, I tell your friends uh, that my last name is Pemberton. And one day that's going to be your name, too. Awesome. <laughs> Love it. We were married a year after that. And I still to this day will say that's the greatest line in the history of dating. That's my story. And that's the one I'm sticking to. <laughs> Actually, she uh she was she was your uh sidekick when you seen the Murphys, your family, and uh yeah, gotta gotta give her a high five on that because um a woman's grace. Now you think about it at that point, at that that meeting. Could you imagine if she wasn't there? You know, I, I mean, I was so angry. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's hard to describe. My uncle Greg would understand this more than anybody else, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, that when you grow up not knowing where you come from, uh, what's your identity, who you're a part of, what you belong to, and you discover it, and here I am finding myself in a conversation about whether my father knew about me as if that mattered or um, a conversation about race and whether I was black or white with my mother's family. Mm-hmm. And it angered me because I'm like, I've been lost in the wilderness for over 20 years trying to find you. I have no interest in those things, you know, because there are some things that are greater than race. Family is one of them. Exactly. And uh, so, I, you know, I think I was prepared at that point to say, I'm just kind of done with everybody, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm done with all of you. Yeah. But he was the one who 
you know, a woman's grace and was, uh, you know, kind of quieted me down, you know, a little bit and just mm -hmm. said, you know, there's a fuller story here. Yeah. Um, and some of the people I'm writing about in the lighthouse effect, you know, made that point to me too. Uh, because I do think you can develop a hard edge when you grow in a turbulent foster care situation, uh, wondering who's going to fail you next, you know, who you have to be on guard with, you know. And so um, she softened my edges is how I'll, how I'll put it. And now yeah. uh, in our house, Charlie, you know, I'd say she, she has the harder edge as, as, uh, as moms do. Good. You know, yeah. Um, Mama Bear shows up and everybody clears out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. She, uh, you got a, you got a first round draft pick. No trade clause. Make sure. All right. Yeah. Punching above yeah. the weight. Sure. <laughs> um, you know, Steve, I, I definitely, um, I love doing this. Um, the, just your story alone has, has definitely um, inspired me with a bunch of other things in my life, you know, and, and, but I also know that you're inspiring, like I said, thousands and thousands of people and um, New Bedford's proud of you. Your family's proud of you. Um, and you continue to do what you're doing, which I know you will. I definitely know you will. And um, please don't, you want to come back on here anytime, please, you know, send me a message, talk about anything, talk about, you know, the lighthouse effect, anything, anything. This well, is your uh, part. Count, count me in, count me in. I'll be back for, for the lighthouse effect. Uh, and then some, and yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm just, um, I'm just, I'm equally proud of you. you Thank know, you. Well, again, I, I've watched your commitment and your compassion over the years. Uh, you know, um, we don't catch up, but you know, you don't need to, right? Cause you can kind of watch, watch your friend from, from a Disney. I've talked to him every week. You just kind of know, just an understanding of, you know, that's, um, that's a good man there. And that, that in my book, you know, Charlie is the highest compliment that I can, that can ever exist is when you call somebody a good man and you are certainly, certainly a good man. Glad to see the podcast is doing well. I can see a Thank ton you. of comments. Uh, thanks for the selflessness for being a lighthouse yourself by shining the light on others, which is exactly uh, what, what you're doing. I don't think that's lost on anybody either. So however I can help next time I come on, I'll invite, you know, uh, you know, folks in my, uh, you know, kind of have a lot of followers across the world. So I'll invite them in and get a little taste of, uh, get a little taste of the effort. You know, a lot of people, uh, come to know a little bit about me better because of how I've written about which I take a lot of pride. I take a lot of pride in. As well. uh, I appreciate that. We appreciate that. It, um, you know, I, I definitely um, want to say that you're a good man. You're, you're a good man with this this story. That is, uh, it's a classroom. Your book is a classroom, and and to me. Um, you're in front of the class. Mr. Sykes is in front of the class. Mm -hmm. Ruby Darton's in front of the class. And they're teaching. They're learning and teaching. And um, I'm, I'm just, I'm proud of you. I, I can't even, what else can I say? There's not enough words for you. And, um, you know, we're definitely going to do this again. Only because uh, 
I need you, brother. I need you in this world. I need you on my podcast. And um, we'll go from there. Uh, we mentioned uh, some some of your friends, our friends, that in the future will be coming on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I talked to all my guests. Who would you like to see on a Really Charlie podcast? Well, I, ironically, I, Tyler Santeo uh, uh, would would be great for you to have uh, as, okay. as, as well. I mean, she she is now. I, I will connect you to her if, if you if you need to be. Sure, uh, another wonderful, wonderful uh, you know success story. I, I'm sure you're getting around to any of uh, any member of the Tavares family, um, but but you know they were. Uh, in, in, in quiet ways, they were impactful to me too. I, I, I think that kind of, you know, that that history matters, uh, yes. uh, you know, as well. Um, and then I, I, I think you know, I would also humbly suggest having some of the the, the younger generation on as well, because there's a lot of young people in New Bedford who I'm following from a distance, um, who I, I think um, would be. Uh, fantastic guests as well. Uh, Robbie Mendes, you know, you should absolutely uh, you know, have we, on. Uh, he, he was on a couple of weeks ago. Okay, so you're ahead of me on yeah. that one. Yeah, I'm, yep. sure he, I'm sure he didn't tell you the story, though, how he used to kick us off the court at Brentwood Park. Though. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure he didn't tell you that story. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to hear yeah, that story. But, you know, I was telling somebody the other day, because, um, you know, us younger guys, we would go to Brentwood Park, and then the older guys – uh, Robbie would be one of them. Uh, a lot of guys, um, uh, Bobby Duart, uh, all the all the guys who were older than us who could play. And one yeah. day we were all like, "We're not leaving the court. We're not leaving the court." And Robbie got to the court first, right? And so we were all swelling up, all you know, thirteen, fourteen, whatever we, whatever age we were. We we bought, bought it together. So we're not leaving the court, right? Mm-hmm. We get to the court. We announced to Robbie who we knew and respected. We're not leaving the court today," <laughs> he said. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah uh, you know, it's only Robbie could say. Never not raising his voice. Yeah, well, um, you know, yeah, you you gonna leave the court, you know. But mm-hmm. he said actually that I still remembered, uh, and I was telling somebody the other day. But what he said to us, we were all gathered around, and he said, "I guess you're gonna have to get so good that we'll have no choice but to keep you on the court." Mm-hmm. And you know, think about how wise an instructor that is, right? Oh, in yes. this entitlement generation, you're going to be guaranteed things. And Robert saying, "You want to stay on the court, get good enough to stay on the court, right?" That's, that's true for writing. That's true for business. I'm a businessman, so I do day to day. I'm a writer, mm-hmm. businessman, day to day. That's true. That lesson is applicable in all parts of life. So, um, uh, I think Tyson Rose is a, is, a, is is another. Uh, you know, it would be great to have Dale Burgo uh, mm-hmm. uh, as well. Would, would would be would be. Fair. I mean, I could keep going, man. But yeah, I'm sure we'll get to all these legends at some point eventually. I, I sure will. Um, I'm actually, uh, you know, there a lot of those people that you mentioned are my dear friends. So I will, yeah. I will be reaching out to them, uh, messaging them, text messaging them, and uh, and getting them on the show within April or May, no, and definitely want to get them on there. Yeah, sounds especially, good, Joe. Especially, uh, um, let's see, Steve, feel free to 
go back on this podcast, you know, on, on the stream out Facebook. Um, and some comments there we didn't all address, but if you feel, feel free to answer them later on, the video will definitely be on YouTube, uh, within the next hour. It's live now. It's actually, it's live now. Um, and I'll have it on anchor and Spotify within the next hour. So it's just something, if you needed it, you know, it's definitely, uh, there for you. Yep. Um, Sounds good, Charlie. Again, man, thanks. Thank you so much for uh, for having me. Uh, so, uh, hello to all of the folks who have joined uh, us, us this evening. I look forward to uh, you know to being back, being back real soon. Love you, brother. Love you and, too, uh, man. Take care. All right. God bless. God bless you too. Bye bye. Bye bye. Amazing. Definitely uh, a good man, as he likes to you know, say about others. That's a good man. That's a good man. Very strong man. Um, survived his life. And now is living his life with the family that he's very, very proud of. And I know they're very, very proud of him. It was Stephen Pemberton, author of A Chance in the World, The Life's also the lighthouse effect and he also has a children's version of a chance in the world please support him all his books are on amazon the lighthouse effect will come out in the fall um, but you can pre-order it and that way when it comes out you'll get yours firsthand um book is amazing um a Chance in the World is also on, uh, you can get it on Audible and listen to it. But uh, I'm proud. I'm very proud of Stephen Pemberton. Very, very proud of him. My classmate and uh, continue to support him like you guys do to me. You know, you support me every podcast. I appreciate it. I really do. These... Um, these comments mean a lot to me and keep having them. Keep, keep giving me comments, keep giving me suggestions and ideas. It means a lot. Um, tomorrow we're going to have uh, Danielle Filkins. She talks about, you know, her dreams from Cape Cod to California and how she was able to live a dream, still living it. Please tune in. Uh, and actually, uh, Friday, we have Dr. Selena Belmars-Pina. That'll be on Friday night. And on Saturday, we also have Russell Ramos, where he talks about his acting and everything that he was involved in. So, in conclusion, mask those beautiful faces, hand sanitized, wash your hands. Stay safe, everyone, and actually inspire someone else. Be happy. Be that lighthouse that Steve Pemberton talked about. Be that lighthouse for someone else. Awesome. Awesome podcast. God bless. See you all tomorrow. Take care.